Hello and welcome to the Papa Big Show. I am Papa Biggs and this is another podcast episode with my little friend, Mr. Sun One. It's me, Sun One, co-host of the podcast right here. Last we no longer broadcast rapid fast with the Papa Big Show. We're a blast. The number of fans we've amassed is quite vast. I talk with my dad about film and TV. You can listen to the show for free. Can't you see that me? My bars are as sweet as a peach tree. I talk about comics for an hour or three. All right, stop me if you've heard this one. I'm someone's son, son, and I live in the sun. Nailed to the cross like a hot cross bun. I'm the fun one son that can't be outdone. Because my name is Sun One. Hello. Hello, Sun One. How are you? Not too shabby. How are yeah, you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Ready for Re- some Ready bigs? for another bigs. Good. What have we got coming up? We're doing what we're watching reading, where we look at what we've been watching and what we've been reading in the past 14 days. Oh, jolly, jolly, jolly good. We'll be looking at trailers. Uh, yeah, why the hell not? Okay, then we'll, we'll look at five trailers and we'll decide mm. whether we like them or not. Yeah, and we won't be doing film news. No. We'll be doing something special. Oh. Find oh. out later in the show. Wow, wow. Well, if people want to get in contact, let's tell them how. Me? Yeah, do it now. <clears throat> if you want to give your opinion on anything we talked about on the show, or to tell us your trail of the week, or maybe what you've been watching and reading, you can tweet us at Biggs Papa, or write a comment in our Facebook group, The Papa Big Show. If you like the sound of any of the trailers we talked about, they're compiled into a playlist in our YouTube channel, The Papa Big Show. We're also The Papa Big Show on Pinterest, and The Papa Big Show on SoundCloud. Trailers. 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 Okay, Charlie's part of the show where we look at five of the latest trailers and we're going to rate them with our thumb method mm-hmm. up, down or sideways. Mm-hmm. And if you want to watch mm-hmm. them along with us as we chat about them, then go over to our playlist, which is lovely and compiled for you in our YouTube channel. In our YouTube channel. In our YouTube channel. Is that all right? On our YouTube channel? I would say arm. Okay. Okay. What's our first trailer? It's a Netflix original series mm-hmm. by the name of Lock and Key. Okay. And who is Lock and who is Key? Uh, is it about two people? I don't know. No, no. So give us a little summary. Yeah. Lock seems to be... It's the family name. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Key is obviously the, the, the plot device. Okay. Yes. You remember watching the trailer? No. Okay, then. So, uh, yes, so you have a family who move into this house for some reason, a big haunted house by the looks of it. And it is magical in a kind of mysterious Whoa. and a little bit spooky way. Uh, keys. It's like magic keys open doors to different portals of different worlds well, and different magic key. times and different things. And who knows what's going on? It's all mysterious. Yeah. Who's in this? Nobody. Anybody of note? Nobody. Obviously, you got a young cast in it. It's a family, like I say. Yeah. Kevin Alves, Thomas Mitchell Barnett, Kobe Bird, Asher Brumfield. Nobody we know. Nobody we know. But okay. maybe they're rising stars. Maybe they appear in Disney programs and things like that. Who knows? Yeah. This looks like a Disney program. Hmm. Well, I don't know. It looks a little bit darker than that. Uh, have you seen mm. Wizards of Waverly Place? No. That's pretty dark. Dark no. magic. No. That's quite good. It's a nice little 
bits in it, like the, the keys sticking in the back of red and stuff like that. And uh, there's uh, flying children and there's big bright lights. Dead people. Uh, yes. Ghosts. Dead Colourful rooms. Dead people. And this Silhouettes. mysterious lady, whom is she? She's clearly, clearly some kind of controller of the situation of the magic realms. Yeah. I would imagine. The Queen of the House. Mm. And it says it's based on a series of graphic novels. Are you, comic boy, familiar with these graphic novels? Familiar with them. I've never read them. I've okay. heard of them. Okay. I believe they're like uh, young adult graphic ah, novels. Right, okay. Well, which explain why it looks like it does. So, uh, any other comments about this one? Uh, I think it looks very pretty. I think it looks very nice. I think it looks um, perfectly watchable. It, it is, of course, it's, it's not a film. It's a series, of course. Uh, do we know how many parts there are? Probably at least two or three. Ten. Uh, okay. That's more like it, yeah. Yeah, well, at least two and or three. And roughly about 45 minutes, aren't they, the Netflix ones? Do you know that? No. Do you? I said roughly. Yeah, well, they could be an hour. Yeah, well, could probably. Could be half an hour. But they're not. Yeah, they probably will be 45 Okay, minutes. so Lock and Key out February the 7th on the old Netflix. Mm-hmm. Uh, go on, then. What are you going to do with your old thumb? Thumb down. Oh. It looks really uninteresting and unoriginal. Oh, like I, d I don't mind the look of this. I'm going to give it a thumb in the middle. Okay, why? Just because I like a mysterious, magical plot. But you're not going to watch it, are you? I might. Just you, to spite you, you. Just to spite you. Okay. Hmm. Lock and key. Okay. Speaking of Netflix. You've got another one for me. This one is also on Netflix. Uh, certainly not aimed at a younger audience, that's for oh, sure. It's, of course, Uncut Gems. Is it? Is yeah. it, of course? I don't know. All right. That's my thing, isn't it? Yes, of course. All right. It's my thing. I okay. say it. All right. Even when it doesn't make sense. Starring Netflix favourite <laughs> Adam Sandler, but Sun not in some pathetic, hastily written, gross-out, knob-gag comedy... But in one of his serious roles, which is what he should do more of. Because when he does do his serious roles, he's usually very, very good. Unlike in his awful films. Jack and Jill. Yeah. Happy Gilmore. All those things. The Water Boy. All those crap. Grown ups. Yes. All garbage. But I suppose they can kind of like throw them out in five minutes and you don't even have to do mm. anything, but you'll still get paid. Whereas, of course, you have to work for this one. It is Uncut Gems. It is a thriller mm. set in the criminal world of jewellery and fronting and money laundering. Gambling. And gambling. And Scamming. And that's right. And Adam Sandler is caught up in all. And he seems to be the kind of middleman in between famous sports stars you want to buy, jewellery and the criminal underworld who want to beat his face in. So it, it looks very uh, well written. It looks very well acted. It looks very well put together. Uh, I, 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 I've got the feeling, is this a sequel? Have I made that up? No. Oh, well, what is it then? What do you well, mean, is no, I haven't made it up or no, it isn't a sequel. No, no, it isn't a sequel. I don't think. I just, I, I don't know why, but I'm sure I read somewhere that this was... Uh, the second film that this Adam Sandler character has appeared in. I might have completely made that up. Let's have a look. Go right, on. I'll go on the IMDb page. Okay. Uh, Howard Ratner. 
Howard Wagner is the name of his character, yeah. who appears uh, in Uncut Gems. No, I think you've made this up. I, I clearly have. I yeah. clearly, clearly have. I don't know why that is. I don't know where I've got that from. I really, 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 really don't. But there you go. Yeah. Um, why, why did you think that? I don't know. I really don't know. But it's getting very good reviews, this. Yeah. And uh, even so far as to say that some people, not everybody, are uh, saying he should be uh, nominated for an Oscar. He hasn't been, obviously, no. but they were saying he perhaps should have been. So there you go. It's a good trailer as well. Mm, it's, it's a good very trailer. very energetic. Mm. And hints at lots of things going on, but doesn't give, reveal exactly the nature of everything. So it doesn't give any plot away, really, which is great. All you know is that Adam Sandler is trying to get a bit of moolah in some dodgy places that's right uh i like the look of this um i'm gonna take my thumb up yeah me too why not wow stars okay, um adam sandler wins uh, it out well, a few adler keith stanfield and adina menzel and it comes out 31st of january oh very soon yes jolly good on netflix of course okay well give me another trailer then please trailer oh. number three Okay, go on then. What have you got? It's a Marvel trailer. Oh, Ooh, Marvel, you like Harris, Marvel, you Harris. like Marvel. You go yeah. on. I said my name. Doesn't matter. Carry on. Morbius. Morbius. Oh. It's the. It's in the same universe as Venom. Mm hmm. Which was. With Eddie Brock! I'm Eddie Brock! And it's in this weird Sony universe where they don't or quite is it? they don't quite have the rights to Spider-Man but they want to make Spider-Man films so they do Spider films Man. about the villains mm. uh, but this trailer mm. reveals that they kind of do have the rights to Spider-Man because there's pictures of Spider-Man they reference Spider-Man so and yes the big uh, reveal at the end of the trailer it's not a spoiler is it because it's in the trailer yes. where you have Michael Keaton appear yeah. which one assumes he is playing Vulture yeah which is it annoyed me so much because that means that this and Venom are technically in the MCU that's right that'd be great that we have uh, Captain America in any black. So this is Jared Leto, who of course was in the DC universe as Joker, as the Joker, which Squad. everybody hated, and he will be playing Morbius. What's the what's the actual full character's name? Do we know? Michael Morbius. Michael Morbius. So Morbius is his real name, but oh, it's right. also his superhero name. Oh, okay. well, how ridiculous! Mm. Um, now I'm not really sure about what this character's feeling because. He's not got the word damage tattooed on his forehead. So is he is he damaged? Is he a fully put together man? Look at this scene right here. It's it's the opening of X Men two. Mm. Did you see that right yeah, there? Yeah, Bamf. Yeah. Okay, so so, got, so we've got uh, um two different versions of Morbius in this particular trailer. You have a weedy, ill looking Morbius and then you have the super buff, super powered vampire Morbius. One can only assume we have some sort of Deadpool type scenario going on here, where he's poorly and he takes something which gives him superpowers. Is that right? Yeah. If okay. you look at the, uh, about two minutes in, you've got uh, Spider Man on the mm. wall 
and it says murderer, yeah. which should be a reference to the end of Far From Home. Yeah. But it's the Sam Raimi Spider-Man costume. Cool. So it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Is this in the Sam Raimi universe? Who knows? But then why is Michael Keaton there? Well, you have to wait and see. Wait, maybe Michael Keaton's playing Batman. Matt Smith. Or even it? weirder, he's Birdman. Well, maybe uh, Michael Keaton's playing Batman and Jared Leto is still playing Joker. There you go. And we don't know. We've just got it's just got the misleading title of Morbius. And the the uh, and Chernobyl Doctor guy Who. is still playing the Chernobyl guy. Yeah, Jared Harris, yeah, son of yeah, Richard. Yeah. And he's getting Morbius gets his powers from the explosion at Chernobyl. Okay. And Batman helps him out. Okay then. So how does Doctor Who appear in it? He's a time traveller. Oh, he yeah, of course. Anywhere. Who is he actually? Who is Matt Smith, the actor, playing in this particular film? Loxius Crown. And what's his... He's, he only fleetingly appears in this. Oh, um, my word. Yeah, apparently J.K. Simmons is in this. Is J. Jonah Jameson as well, according wow. to IMDb. Um, I don't know. Anybody else we recognise in this? Maybe. Tyrese Gibson. That's it, I'm quite out. A, quite a few people. <laughs> um, okay, apart from the ones obviously we mentioned already. Yeah. And, yes. Mm. Mm. What do you think of this then? Well, if Venom, boy? Venom is any any indicator of quality. And is there there is a Venom 2 as well coming out, isn't there? Yeah, directed mm. by Andy Serkis. Oh, yeah. With Carnage in it, played by oh, Woody yeah. Harrelson. Oh, God, yeah. That's... And probably Tom Holland as Spider-Man as well. All right. Uh... This, okay, this Morbius looks uh, very uninteresting. It just There's looks like the same superhero story thing going on again. Could be Blade, could be yeah. Deadpool, well, this could week, be any of these things. I watched Punisher Warzone this week, and it's very similar looking to this, except Punisher Warzone actually looked better. Oh. And that's from 2008. We've also, we've also got a Batman thing going on here as well, haven't we? With his bats well, everywhere. Vampire bats, of yeah. course. Cause he Clearly. Is, he's a vampire. So he is vampire Batman. Yeah. Okay. Thumbs down. Thumbs down from me. Yeah. I don't really care. No. At all. I, I hope think, it's good. I think, but we'll I, don't wait, think it will I think we'll wait till this is in the bargain bin in the Tesco DVD range. Yeah. And I'll get, pick it up for two quid and then we'll watch it and then we'll go, yeah, that was rubbish. Yeah. And I thought, I want me two quid back. So we'll take it to the sex shop at CEX and I'll get me one P. Yeah. There you go. There it will be the actual timeline of us and Morbius. Right, what's next, trailer? Uh, it's another Marvel one. Oh, did we say when that rubbish was out? 2020. Any particular date in 2020? Probably about Halloween. Okay, then. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, okay. I'm not going back on the IMDb tab now. I've closed it. Oh, right. Yeah, that would be too much work. Yeah, right, we'll go to the next trailer, then. Command Shift T, but it's more. Just Morbius. go to the next trailer, then. It's another Marvel one, and this one is New Mutants. Okay, well, this is your thing. Go on, off you go. Hell yeah. So, it's a, a weird-ass hospital for mutants, and they're new... And they're reliving their past traumas to try and get them to not be traumatised anymore or something. So, for people who don't know anything about New Mutants, give them a little bit of a background there. We're in the X-Men universe yeah. here, aren't we? So, circa the mid-80s, uh, 86 I think it was, during the Brood Saga, uh, 
around Uncanny X-Men 167. The right, X-Men I, were stranded. I didn't mean in, that kind of detail, but, you know. Just... The X-Men were stranded in space, and while that happened, Professor Xavier put together a team of other mutants, considering he thought that the regular X-Men were dead. Now, this particular incarnation, uh, they come together because they all ended up in a hospital together. So I don't know why I went into detail with the no. comic version. But you've oh, got five new mutants here. So, so name the characters, and then we'll tell you who the uh, character being played by. Go okay, so you've got uh, Anya Taylor-Joy as Magic. Okay, well you'll tell the characters as, and the actors then as well at the same time. Yeah, uh, who is Ileana Rasputin, who daughter, little sister of Colossus. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I'll Maisie Williams as oh, Wolfsbane. Yeah. From Got. Yes, from yeah. Gotti, starring John Travolta. That's right. Who turned to a wolf. Yeah, um, really. Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things. Yes. Is Cannonball. Son of one Woody Guthrie. No, uh, it's a brother of Paige Guthrie and Melody Guthrie. And mm. they're a big family. They've got, uh, there's about seven or eight brothers and sisters and they all have mutant powers. Blue Hunt as a whitewashed Danielle Blunt. Moonstar. Blue Hunt? Yeah. I don't think that's a real name. I think that's a stage name, don't you? Probably. Blunt. Henry Zaga is a whitewashed Sunspot. And Alice Bragger is a whitewashed Dr. Cecilia Ray. So you're noticing oh. a pattern? Oh. Three out of the six main characters have been whitewashed. Oh, so it's yeah. a racist film. It is. <laughs> so uh, the, it's been very problematic. This was made when? I think it was filmed 2017. The first yeah. trailer came out, uh, I think, maybe 2017. Okay. And the interesting thing is that the, the, uh, because it was uh, the, the, the studio execs, oh, no, we can't show that. We'll have to do reshoots and everything like yeah. that. And then they just shelved it. And then they haven't done any reshoots. So they're actually just releasing the original version. It's the original director's cut. Josh Boone said that this is what he originally planned this is the original script and everything which is exciting because that means that it's not really been tampered with it could potentially be a good film yeah it looks it looks different to the usual mcu stuff doesn't it because it's got a kind of horror Spook. feel to it yeah all right well when's it out it's out sometime in 2020 thanks probably you're, around you're halloween really on it, no it's not it's you? april 8th of april 8th of april right okay. and i'm excited for this especially okay. Uh, at the ending, you've got some cool-looking stuff. You've got Sunspot in his Sunspot form. You've got um, Magic with a metal arm and the Soul Sword. And then you've got the Demon Bear, who is the villain. Demon Bear. You mean, you're laughing at Bill Senkovich creation, Demon Bear. All right, go on then. Yeah. And uh, Lockheed, the, the little dragon. You can kind of see him in the background as well. Okay. So th this is all based on... The Chris Claremont and Bill Senkovich Demon Bear saga. Right. Okay, which is why, because I follow Bill on yeah. the old social media, and he's quite excited to be seeing it eventually. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, thumb in the middle for me. Um, it's, it probably won't be thumbs up material, but I'm going to give it a thumbs up anyway. Okay. Because, uh, as you know, my thumbs up system is very strange. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Okay, no. give me one more trailer then, please, someone. So, final trailer. Hmm. This is another one that's been plagued with not existing, and it's it was made years ago. Oh, is it? Really? 
Yes, it was. Because I know this from a meme. Oh. Uh, stars Daniel Radcliffe. And yes. there was a meme of Daniel Radcliffe in the dressing gown, holding two guns up, like praying or like being angry for his life and that meme was for about two or three years ago right so this is of course of course obviously guns akimbo where a nerd a loner daniel radcliffe is kidnapped by a corporation that makes people fight to the death online and they like bolt guns to his hands like staple them in can you turn your phone off? <laughs> That's yeah. Three times it's, now. It's fantasy league time. Anyway, Daniel Radcliffe now has guns stapled onto his own hands, and he has to fight to the death with somebody called Nix for the entertainment of the internet consumers. Is it supposed to be funny? Uh, I think it's meant. Because well, there weren't got, any jokes he's got in comedy it. slippers on, and then the girl gets shot in the face with a Nerf gun. Oh, yeah, I think that, I think that of... bit's meant to be funny, but it's not. Like, the Nerf no, I'm not saying it is ridiculous. I'm saying it's supposed to cringe. be funny. I think that's the thing. I think it's supposed to be cool. And there's always a problem with no, things No, I don't think it's to meant be... to be cool. I think cool. it's trying to be uh, different. I think it's trying to be... Uh, Maybe random is the right word. No. Uh, no, I don't think so. I just think it's trying to be cool. And it's obviously very video game related. Yeah. And influenced in its style and its content and its storyline and its pace. And it's just really not my cup of tea. But I suppose this is more of um, Harry Potter trying to get away from Harry Potter hmm. and trying to be as cutting edge and you know sweary and violent as he possibly can no I don't think that's the case because people know that he's a decent actor it's not like Harry Potter is something he would regret is it no no no, no. very disappointed him, but... to have Murray in there mm. Rhys Darby yeah. playing some homeless man uh, yeah and I assume he's, he's probably not got a very big role in it but he's he's got a big role in the trailer yeah <laughs> No, maybe the homeless man plays a big part in the story. We'll maybe, never does, know. maybe he just keeps popping up. No, we won't ever know. Well, I certainly won't, because I will not be watching this. It doesn't feel like it could be feature length. It doesn't feel like it could be watchable. It doesn't feel like... It might, it's probably more a web series in three-minute episodes. I think, you're being, ten episodes. I think you're being really harsh on this. I think it looks pretty good visually okay. in terms of the colours, the colour palette. And it's the, not aimed at me. Set pieces. I know it's not. It's aimed at me, yeah. personally. Yeah, personally. It's on one. Yeah. It's a thumb down from me. When's it out? It's out it's 27th of February 2020 in okay. Russia. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you. Comrades, All right. see it. It stars Daniel Radcliffe, Samara Weaving. Uh, Reese Darby, a few other people. I'm going to give it a thumb in the middle. Just because it's got Reese Darby in it? No, just because I think it could be good, but okay. it also could be awful. It's going to either be good... Who's the um, director? Tell me who the director is and have they done anything else. Jason Lee Howden. Now, has Jason done anything else of note? He's done visual effects for War for the Planet of the Apes. There you go. Avengers He's Assembly. a visual effects guy. Of course War. he is. What's he directed? Nothing. He's directed Deathgasm. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of shorts. 
Death, click on Deathgasm. Do I want to? Yes. There you go, it looks amazing, doesn't it? Two teenage boys unwittingly summon an ancient evil entity known as the Blind One by delving into black magic while trying to escape their mundane lives. You see, he, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's all I need to know. What's he written? Same things. Same things. He's just, he's an effects guy, and that's fine. However, he's a good effect. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure the effects will be great. I'm sure the effects will be great. Well, that doesn't mean you can direct. Okay, that is our trailers for this week. All that remains is a recap and right. your trailer week, please, someone. Right, first trailer was Lock and Key, which you gave a thumb in the middle and I gave a thumb down. Uncut Gems, which was two thumbs up. Morbius, two thumbs down. New Mutants, which is a thumb in the middle from you, thumb up from me. And Guns Akimbo, which is a thumb down from you and a thumb in the middle from me. Okay, well, mine's fairly straightforward because yeah. mine is Uncut Gems. What about you? Uh, because we can never repeat yours. Right, I'll go through. It's not lock and key. I don't remember what happened in that trailer. Clearly. Uh, Uncut Gems, maybe. Morbius, maybe. New Mutants, maybe. Maybe. Uh, it's pretty much. I'll say all all of them except Lock and Key is my trailer of the week. Okay, really, all four combined. Yeah, even Morbius, just because of. Because uh, you're an idiot. Okay, yeah. that has been our trailers. Let's uh, find out what we've been doing for the past seven days in terms of watching and reading. What I've been reading. What I've been watching. What I've been watching. What I've been reading. What I've been reading. What I've been watching. What I've been watching. What I've been reading. What I've been watching. Yeah, and, and watching as well. Yeah. What have you been reading this week? Reading. Wow, you've thrown a real curveball. Yeah, I thought we were doing yeah, watching yeah, yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's absolutely crazy. I read an X Men comic. Well, what a surprise. Go on. Hunt for Wolverine Mystery Mad Report. This what, is one. What, sorry, what's the subtitle? Hunt for Wolverine, Mystery in Madripoor. Mystery in Madripoor. Mm. Okay. So, so this is one of the ones I picked up for cheap at Travelling Man. I uh, didn't think much of it. I just thought, oh, X-Men, this was meant to be good. Uh, but I didn't know anything about it, really, other than the fact that Wolverine's dead and a team of X-Men have been sent to try and find him. Uh, and this team of X-Men are Psylocke. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wolverine's dead and they've been sent to find him. So what, yeah. they're going to hell or heaven or something? You're going to Madripoor because he's not dead anymore. Is that where you go when you die? You go to Madripoor. Well, Wolverine died. Uh, yeah. He was encased in adamantium. You know right. adamantium? He, yeah. Uh, he yeah. was stuck inside adamantium. Yeah, stand and deliver. Yeah. yeah. So molten adamantium went on top of him and he was frozen inside. So he was dead because of that. And... Um, so they had this Wolverine statue, and a few years later, after he after he's died and they've assumed he's dead, they open the thing up and he's not in there anymore. So he's out there somewhere. Where could he be? So there's actually Magipore, four four obviously. of these Hunt for Wolverines. Mystery Madripoor, where the X Men tried to find him. Claws of a Killer, where his enemies tried to find him. Weapon Lost, where a team of detectives, including Daredevil, tried to find him. And Adamantium Agenda, where a team of Avengers tried to find Clearly him. Clearly, he doesn't want to be found. He's, he's he disappeared. He, he doesn't want to be found, so leave him alone. I know. So this is written by Jim Zub, with art by David Marquez and Tony Silas, who are both pretty good. Like David Marquez, he's a he's a master. He's okay. a master, but unfortunately, the the covers are by Greg Land, who 
if he d you if don't need to say anymore. They're just the names. Greg Land. Greg Land. Yeah, but when I say David Marquez, exactly, and Tony clearly Silas, he has a. F they yeah. have flourish. So the they have team, zing. The team that, of X Men that are trying to find Wolverine are the ones who are closest to him. You've got Psylocke, Storm, Rogue, Jubilee, Domino, and Kitty Pride, okay. who now goes by Kate. Kate Pride. <laughs> okay. She's older now, so um, they go to Madripoor, which is this. Asian crime, it's either a town or a country, I'm not 100% sure, but um, it's very inspired by Japan. It's been a thing in Wolverine's history. For, yeah. yeah, Japan, yeah. So they fight this team of evil people. The story isn't anything great, but it's characterised very well. Like um, all of these people reflecting on Wolverine's, uh, their time with Wolverine. Um, and they find a locker of his old stuff, and he's. They turns out he was more sentimental than they thought he was. And there's some nice flashbacks and some callbacks, and it's really good. And the big twist is that um, Psylocke, who is um, she's British, but she was transferred into a Japanese woman's body all the way back in the 80s. So for ages, she's been known as like an, a Japanese Asian character. But now people are thinking, that's kind of problematic that there's a British person masquerading as a different race. So this comic puts her back into her original British body after 30 years of her being a different race. So okay. that was quite interesting right. for them to do. Weird. Uh, Rogue's kind of wasted in it, which I didn't like. But um, there were some good moments for Psylocke and D Domino, which was a surprise because I wasn't expecting her to have a big role in this. But overall, good. Okay. Uh, what did you read? Oh, I have been reading uh, Peter Biscand, who is famous for doing Down and Dirty Pictures and uh, what's the other one? Um, big famous one. Big, really, really famous book he did about the film industry. What's it called? It, I'm trying to remember. Easy Riders at Raging Bulls. That was it. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah, incredibly. It's in this James. room somewhere, yeah, isn't it? Is, yeah, I've got. Yeah, I've got both of those, and I've read both of those. And this one is is an incredibly clever essay, really extended essay, about how vampires, zombies, androids, and superheroes made America great for extremism. What? So it's it's about the, how political all this kind of nerdy pop culture really is, or a lot of it is, the horror stuff and the superhero stuff. It's actually either reflective of our political times or actually informs our political times. And it was incredibly interesting. Yeah, mm. that's interesting because there's been lots of discourse, especially online recently, about stop putting politics in our films and stuff like that. Like well, people saying stuff about Star Wars when it's about space Nazis. Well, well, stuff like well, that. interesting. Well, he does mention Star Wars. I mean, uh, George Lucas always claimed that Star Wars, the original 1977 Star Wars, was was uh, his riposte to the Vietnam War. <laughs> which, which everybody's going, really? He's crazy. Really? And of course, uh, and of course, they're also, like I said, reflective of their times because obviously the, 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 it's also very famous for being just uh, a white uh, universe, is Star Wars. 
and obviously then that gets re redressed later on with the Force Awakens, etc. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's uh, some interesting notions about who is uh, far right wing, uh, but not not so much. It, it doesn't put it in sort of terms of right and left. It does mention that, and it does say that it's clearly those kind of politics. But it's actually more about extremism in both directions, mm -hmm. left wing and right wing, and more centrist. So it's interesting how that falls in and it includes not just the superheroes and zombie films and everything like that but also things like um your favorite nicholas cage god bothering one as well really uh, left he, behind you it does it is indeed yeah there's a whole series of books about those things which is what that film is based on so obviously then that talks about you know how you know now in the white house we have you know angelic um uh, advisors to to the president, you know, we have God bothering people and like that, which of course mm. then wouldn't it, back in twenty years ago when it was far more centrist, it, none of that would have ever been. But because we get more extremes going either way, it's very interesting. Anyway, I recommend you go out and buy The Skies Falling Me? by Peter Biscan. No, you well, don't I have to buy it. buy it. You can read my copy if you like. Okay, uh, what have right. you been watching? What have I been watching? Uh, I'd rather talk about what else I've been reading first. Thank you very much. Oh, you read more, have you? Yeah. So, weirdly enough, uh, even though I didn't like the film that much, Rise of Skywalker kind of got me uh, interested in reading uh, some of the comics that I hadn't read before. So, when I got my Marvel Unlimited one-month free trial, and I'd read all of the uh, marvel stuff I wanted to read, I thought, sure, let's read some Star Wars stuff. And I'm happy to say at this point I've read pretty much all of it. Um, it's not giving me much insight on the universe as a whole. Uh, because when they're telling stories in this universe, they can't do anything crazy with the characters. Because, um, yeah. well, well, there's a stuff on either end. Like, most of the stuff that they've released so far has been in between episodes four and five. So, it's not like they can do something crazy with Luke that completely changes his character because in between four and five, he needs to um, be consistent, if you know what I mean. So I've read um, the main Star Wars series, uh, which features the main cast of characters, Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, 3PO and R2. Uh, I've read the Darth Vader series, which is about Darth Vader, <laughs> and the Doctor Aphra series, who interestingly enough is a brand new character. Yeah. So that means that they can do something original. Well, with it. you would have thought so. That that would be the hope, really, because that's what comics tend to do, isn't it? They just go off and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but it doesn't really matter about the wider MCU or anything mm. like that. It doesn't affect it in any way, shape, or form. It just you get more interesting stories, and you can be surprised that way rather than going, "Oh well, yeah, you can't do that because that character's not allowed to do that or whatever." Well, you just like get whatever. Yeah. I'm just doing whatever now. Well, I ended up binge reading the Doctor Aphra series, who who was introduced in the Darth Vader series in about two or three days, because I really liked it. It's probably one of my favorite uh, Star Wars. Yeah, things. because it's new and it's yeah. different. So. so she's an archaeologist. So mm -hmm. she's basically like Han Solo, but in space. Not Han Solo, Indiana no. Jones, yeah. Yeah. but in space. So she's trying to get money, but she's doing it for money, or. Uh, if it's a case of a weapon, she's doing it so she can fight people with it. And she's got an interesting uh, supporting cast, Black Kersantan, who is a Wookiee bounty hunter 
who she owes a lot of money to. So he hangs along to make sure that she doesn't screw him over. And who are the C3PO uh, R2D2 lookalikes? Triple Zero, who goes by Trip, is the Repuff C3PO, and BT1, I think, who is the C uh, R2D2, and they are uh, normal droids, but they have like the memories of um, an evil droid from decades ago, so they're obsessed with murder. So they're always it's it's a good parallel because Triple um, Zero still has the personality of C three PO, but he's he's always like polite and stuff, but he's I mean, constantly he wanting to torture oh, people. Yeah, and that stuff. sounds like a good serial killer. Yeah. So yeah. I'd recommend Doctor Ephra. Mm. The main Star Wars series has its highs and lows. The main problem is the art, because um, they I don't want to call anyone out by name. But they get some kind of um, people who are usually good. But um, because these uh, comics have, they're based on films which have real actors, oh, they are, based on the actors, they're like really. tracing over the top of stills from the film. And um, they look pretty awful when it's like comic book art with things that look like real people in it. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't work. But you don't have that problem with Afra. Because she's yeah. brand new. So, recommend Afra. Recommend maybe a couple of arcs of the main Star Wars one. But they're pretty inconsequential. The, the best thing I can say about them is when they do an interesting, fun story. Like, uh, there's one called The Last Flight of the Harbinger. Where they steal a... Um, not Death Star. What are they called? Star Destroyer? The All big right. triangle. The big yeah. Dorito one. They yeah. steal a Star Destroyer. Uh, for some reason. I've already forgotten. Because they're inconsequential. What did we watch? Ah, we watched quite a lot. As you, again. Again, yeah. So, are we doing this in any kind of order? Okay. Chronological order. All right, then. Well, we watched a lovely feature-length animation, Missing Link. It's mm -hmm. kind of gone under the radar a little bit, this one, hasn't it? Because well, it until has recently. Been, until recently, because it's then been... Uh, nominated for a BAFTA and an Oscar. And it won the Golden Globe for and Best it Animated. Yeah. Uh, so it is the, uh, rather, it's a, of course by Laika Studios who did uh, Kubo and the Two Links. Two Links. <laughs> <laughs> missing String. Kubo and the Missing String. Okay. Kubo and the Two Strings. Yes. And Missing Link. Is and they the, did. Yes. Paranormal. That's it as well. And yes. something else. Anyway, Mr. Link. Recruits explorer Sir Lionel Frost to help find his long-lost relatives in the fabled Valley of Shangri-La. Along with adventurer Andalina Fortnite, this trio of explorers travel the world to help their new friend. With voices by... Hugh Jackman, Zach Galifianakis, David Williams, Stephen Fry, Matt Lucas. And Zoe Saldana. Bunch of people. Emma Thompson. Mm. Bunch, Timmy bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good uh, cast. It's a good cast. Good. Lovely little story. Good, good animation. Stunning animation. Absolutely incredible. Three-dimensional stop motion. Mm. Beautifully rendered. Amazingly done. But the story's good, and that's what makes the difference as well. I don't think and the story is that original. It's no, very, no, no, no. It's just well done. But it's just it's fleshed just out nice, yeah. by the animation, makes it more interesting. Yeah. And there's some good action, like tense action scenes, yeah. like at the end, where with the ice. Yeah, that's I good. thought that was yeah. that was like surprisingly 
like tense and it had me on the edge of my seat, which I wasn't expecting. I'm from surprised it didn't do as this. well as it. Uh, uh, real what damn it deserves. Shame. Yeah. Yeah. Because anyway. it's an original film with good animation, and it only just made back its uh, budget. Uh, I think you can still catch it on Netflix, can't you? Yeah. Box and you show. should. Yes, you should get it, get on there and get it watched. What else did we watch? Oh, this is one that we could not miss in the cinemas. That's right, we went to the cinema and we watched Sam Mendes's much-talked-about 1917, the First World War fake one-shot, beautifully... Now, you love war. I do like a bit of war. On film. Okay, yeah. Uh, gripping, stunning, amazing, suspenseful, all the great words, all those... All those words make it what it is <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying help me out here it was, well it was mainly you and son too that wanted to go and see this mm-hmm. and me and mama biggs were well we were kind of interested in it but we weren't as hotly anticipating it as you and the youngest son were mm-hmm. but we all came out of it thinking it was stellar amazing beautiful uh well shot well acted. Well, it will be well shot, isn't it? Because it's the the legend that is. Do you know who the cinematographer S- is? Simon. No. James. No. Stuart. No. Gordon. Legendary British cinematographer who did such films as, hmm, I don't know, Blade Runner 2049. Um, Joseph. <sighs> Callum. Come, uh, come on. Come on, you know who this is. Roger Deakins. Oh, yeah. Roger Deakins, my I just, friend. Uh, That's my why tongue. it is. Because I remember that was the first thing you said when you came out. There's some absolutely stunning shots. And it's not just the shots, it's the lighting as well. It's twisty. It's incredible. Yeah, no, it's yeah, incredible. It's twisty. It's turny. It's heartwarming, heartbreaking. So for such a, a simple storyline it is incredibly surprising and uh keeps you guessing and keeps you watching and keeps you engaged throughout the one hour 59 minutes that it is it's and told it's and the gimmick of it trying to look like one continuous shot isn't distracting at all it mm. uh it just kind of makes it uh, even more immersive really mm. so uh there well, are it, some well-known... When the one-shot thing started, I yeah. thought, I won't be able to sit through two hours of this. But then you don't really notice no. it. No, you just go with the story, because the story and the characters are strong enough. Yeah. And the acting's t- tremendous. So you've got Dean Charles Chapman and George Mackay, who play Lance Corporal Blake and Lance Corporal Schofield. These two young chaps who are sent across enemy lines to try and get the message to their comrades on the other side so they don't end up in a massacre. Very simple. But you've also got some very familiar faces in it with... Um, Colin Firth. Yes, with some uh, smaller roles. And um, Dominic Cucumberpatch. Yeah, and Richard Dominic. Dominic. <laughs> Dominic Cucumberpatch. Dominic. <laughs> Benedict <laughs> Cumberpatch. Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Try and say it, go on. Benedict... Cumberbatch. Well, you should, should have a st- it's not that part of a name. It's a stupid name. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, posh bloke. Yeah, very good. Go and see it now. Yes. What else did we watch? The French Connection. Yes. 
Now, I, I picked this up uh, cheapy, double French Connection 1 and 2, uh, the 1971 classic by uh, director William Freakin, starring Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. And I remember it being very, very good, very, very gritty. It was, it was known for its time as being quite uh, hard-hitting, as um, nasty, racist cop Gene Hackman. Uh, is is the ultimate anti-hero because he's the one who's got to follow the crime and get the bad guys and he's not that far off being a horrible nasty horrible bad guy himself <laughs> so <laughs> so you're like oh, who do I root for here uh, it was noted for a time for its handheld camera work its its location work in the nasty horrible gritty dirty filthy New York of 1971 which is a very different place than it is now and also for the, the car chase brilliant car chase where he is in the car and he's chasing the train above him which they i believe didn't have permits for and most of it is real including cars avoiding him and him actually crashing into the bins mm. <laughs> so so yeah i think they got into trouble for that this is one of those films that i mm. um it doesn't have as much of a profound effect on me as it would have people in 1971 well yeah yeah because i've seen lots of things like it it's not it's not the grittiest thing I've ever seen. It's not the sweariest, not the most violent. But but it, it may have well have been back then. But it, now it certainly was. I've seen other things that mm-hmm. are more violent. That it reminds me of uh, the Third Man, which was some. I like. I enjoyed both of them. But but, I, but it's not gritty or violent, is it? <laughs> no. But if, no. if they were the first films I've ed- I'd ever have seen in that genre. Like if I'd seen this in 1971 or Third Man back in 33 or whatever it was. Absolutely, and they're the films that I that's the, they're the films that I always remember. And anybody says like, "What are your favourite films?" and everything like that. They're not the best films ever made or anything like that. They're the films that had a profound impact on me because it's the first time I'd ever seen something of its ilk, mm. and they're the ones. And you can imagine, as you rightly say, that this was the first type of film like that of its ilk. I think so. I have more respect for them than I do love. Oh, yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, I didn't hate either of them. They're both good. But I'm not. Okay. So, they, but you're glad you watched it, yeah? Old. Yeah, you're yeah. glad you watched it. Okay, French yeah. Connection. That was what we watched. What else did we watch? Well, I decided to watch Punisher Warzone because I thought it would be good. It's not. It wasn't very publicly received, but I thought it had a bit of a cult following in recent years because I've seen lots of people give it high ratings online, and I've, people I follow have said it's actually all right. But it 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 ended up being what I expected it to be a few months ago, rather than what I was expecting it to be when I sat down and watched it. So when was this one released? Twenty year two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Hmm. Yeah, so you got uh, Ray Stevenson as Punisher, who is also the fat guy in Thor, uh, and it's got a few other people in it, Dominic West, uh, oh, Dominic Hutchinson, West. a few kind of kind of known people, you know, and it's a it's just a, an action film. There's some cool bits where he's like on a chandelier shooting people and stuff, but it it wasn't special. Okay. However, I will say there is a bit in a church, mm-hmm. uh, which is well shot, and the colours there are amazing. Uh, we, I wasn't expecting something that looked like that to be in a silly old action film like this. Okay. Um, it it does try to be really cool 
with the violence and stuff it doesn't always work like look at us we're killing this guy in such a cool way and it doesn't work like someone gets thrown in a it's like a glass factory and the glass bottles are being grinded up and the guy falls in his face gets messed up he's get it gets stitched back up again he calls himself jigsaw because he sees a giant billboard with a jigsaw on it which is lame and Punisher's family's dead. He tries to reconnect with some other family by helping them, and it it doesn't really work. Um, but overall, it's very, very, very fine. Like, I'm never gonna watch it again, and I'm never gonna think about it again. <laughs> okay, let's move on then. Yeah. Pinky in the brain. You watch this. I watched. So this, I don't know, somebody mentioned something and it came... I know what it was. I was reading previously uh, the book about um, directors. What was that one called? The Secret Lives of Great Filmmakers. That's right. And in there it stated that Stanley Kubrick's favourite film, or one of his favourite films, was Freebie and the Bean. He said it is the greatest film that was made in 1974. (laughs) All right? Now, I remember watching this uh, a long time ago and enjoying it and it is just one of those buddy cop movies and I thought well, why is Stanley Kubrick saying that this is one of the greatest films of all time I'm one of his favourites so I thought I need to go back and rewatch that and I always remember me and Uncle Biggs we, we watched it a couple of times because we thought it was funny okay because of the two central mm. characters uh, it's definitely 1974 oh. because the um uh, gender politics aren't great. Uh, there's only two minor female characters in them, and they don't even have names. One's called Bean's wife. Uh, the other one's called Freebie's girlfriend. Oh yeah. I don't know. According to IMDb, they're called Barbara and Consuelo. That's not what it says in the actual oh. credits or in the films. <laughs> so, yeah. So in that respect, uh, it's very dated. Uh, there's also um, Freebie, played by Alan, uh, by James Kahn, uh, mocks uh, Alan Arkin, who is Mexican, and does uh, quite a bit of racist jokes. But it's not necessarily as awful as it sounds, because it is literally his mate deliberately winding him up in that kind of way. So... Uh, it is more about banter between two friends rather than him being racist overtly and because he's not in the rest of the film. Mm. So, so uh, if taking out of context, that could be quite awful. But the, the two main characters, actually, the way it's shot is actually very, very nicely shot. So I could see why Kubrick liked it. And I also like the kind of... The, the, there is a very natural uh, chemistry between the, the, the front two. And it is funny. There's no out-and-out jokes or anything like that. But they are very funny, these two, just the way they are constantly talking with each other and winding each other up. And all those scenes are brilliant. The rest of the film is this kind of very flimsy story about these two uh, San Francisco police detectives who, uh, who want to get this crime boss, but they've got to keep him alive for the next few days because there's a hit out on him before they can get the evidence that's all and that is it so, so it's very flimsy is... but it's just the dialogue which is probably improvised by Khan and Arkin is the greatest thing about it 
and made it worth watching all right but it's very dated and the actual storyline itself is pretty non-existent so what you're saying is stanley kubrick has no taste what's about i'm saying stanley kubrick he has obviously seen something in it that he really really likes and i think it's those two things because some of the shots are beautiful which he likes hmm. and he likes the naturalism of the two characters because it does feel natural and you said he well, thought it was the best film released in best film 1974 i can't i can't understand that but there you go oh well there you go so that's what i watched through the bean i uh i had day off this week uh, inset day on a wednesday for some reason um i think i know why though uh it was i think it must have been randomly planned okay uh and you watched three films didn't you yeah go on then what did you watch good time uh directed by safety brothers who did uncut gems all right which is why i watched this uh and it's about uh, Robert Pattinson, who um, robs a bank with his mentally handicapped brother. And um, his mentally handicapped brother is the only one who um, gets thrown in jail. So he has to try and get some more money to bail his brother out or break him out or whatever. And it's this very um, anxiety-induced, very quick, fast thriller where he is trying to get him out in some way i see it's also got jennifer jason lee in it i like jennifer jason lee very underrated or underused actress mm. she's very under uh, very underused in this so all right. don't all right, get your yeah. hopes up um yeah uh it's all right it's pretty good um it's like i said it's very well shot and very colorful uh i, I just like colors i've mentioned stuff being yeah colorful a, lot, a, lot. a lot when when something's like colorful a, in like a, a film four-year-old like, yeah like that no, but when something—no, I, I like it when something's got a good color palette to it. Uh, uh, well, I've I told like you before, better. you need to watch Hero. That's what you need to watch. If you like amazing use of color in film, mm. then you need to watch the film Hero. But um, it makes you question Robert Pattinson a lot. As well, he's obviously not in the right because he's robbed a bank. But um, you kind of see what he would do for his brother, and his brother is kind of innocent because he was kind of forced into the robbery so it's saying stuff about mental illness and about crime and i liked it i thought it was pretty good okay then and what else did you watch i watched the raid ah no i've recommended this to you many times but obviously i wouldn't let you watch it because yeah, old enough. Well, I never heard you. I didn't realise you recommended it to me. No, because... I watched this when it first came out. So um, because it was recommended to me by a student, actually. Yeah. I was like, yeah, go on, I'll, I'll have a watch of that. Well, I found out about this from a letterbox playlist, which was if you liked this American film, watch this foreign film, and it was the foreign equivalent to John Wick. And I was like, yeah, I like John Wick. This looks pretty good. It's got a pretty good user score. And when I saw it on Netflix, I added it to the list. And then when you were scrolling through Netflix, you saw, oh, The Raid. That looks all right. Uh, you, 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 you'd like that, Harris. I like this. Well, it is. It, I, I was mean, like, yeah, it's I like can a see list. why they're, they're liking it to, to the John Wick, because it's uh, a balletic violence. Uh, but, of course, it, uh, the, the very flimsy plot is, is also used in uh, Dread mm. as well, where they, they just get locked in this tower block and have to get out. Yeah, the action in it is Stunning. probably unlike anything I've seen before yeah. with the the battles and the hand-to-hand stuff, but yeah, also the, choreography. The, um, the shooting and the knives and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, there's no plot to it, but you don't need a plot. You don't need a plot at all. 
um, for something like this. It's, it's almost like watching uh, a dance show. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. really is. Uh, but I, when I put it on, and you see the scene of this guy training, and then he goes to see his wife who's pregnant, and there was this awful, um, are you sure you're gonna go out today? And I was like, oh my god, it's on the dub, and so I quickly had to go off, put it on the subtitles, yeah. change the language back to Indonesian, Oof. because it, it was the worst thing oh, wow, I'd ever heard me. I didn't know when it was because um, the only English you hear before that is the guy whispering while he's praying yeah. and I was like oh it's in it's in English I and wish I thought, that it has so little dialogue it'd be absolutely mm. pointless as well wouldn't it yeah so <clears throat> it's very visceral gritty violence uh, it's brilliantly done yeah yeah it's it's good I've not seen the sequel though The Raid 2 is available but uh, maybe we'll have to get around to watching what, that as well. What I liked about this is it wasn't that long. No. It's an hour 41, but the second one's two and a half hours or something oh, like that. Oh, I these things. That's why he didn't put it on okay. my list. But it's also got a high score. Uh, it's got a higher score than the first one on IMDb. Well, I wouldn't trust IMDb as far as I think. I don't trust IMDb either. <clears throat> um, usually things like Bad Boys for Life has a 10. Directed by Gareth Edwards. Oh, no, it's not. Gareth Evans. Oh, the other Welsh fella. Yeah. <laughs> he directed this. I also thought when I got five minutes in, I, I was thinking, no, it's not Gareth, Gareth Edwards, is it? It's some other Gareth. So I had to look it up. And it's someone who's got pretty much the exact same name. Mm. So then I watched a third film. Yeah. Uh, so I watched those other two. And then I've made myself a beautiful grilled ham and cheese sandwich. How fascinating. Yes. And I, I ate a grilled ham and cheese sandwich while I watched The Social Network, which you don't like. No. But I did. As much as I like David Fincher as a, as a mm. filmmaker, I love Seven and I love Fight Club and I love Zodiac, but I can't stand this. It's Nothing to do with the filmmaking. Even it's because though... I don't give a damn about any of the characters at all. So I just got completely bored. Even though Facebook has been uh, known recently as a bit of a boomer website, this film is very much like a millennial or a Gen Z, like a young person film, um, complaining about college tuition and stuff like that. Um, it's sort of not your film. You're it's right. Made for you. You're right. I, I feel like it was made for younger people, uh, and. Maybe that's why I liked it. I just thought it was very well acted from Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield. And you you definitely hate, you're meant to hate Mark Zuckerberg a lot. And what's he say? It's Timberlake. You're meant to hate him quite a bit as well. Well, this is the reason why. I mean, they are based on real people. Mm -hmm. And they're these ultra-rich white nerds who are not very nice. Mm. I don't care. I, f I don't I care funny. what happens to them. I don't care. Well, I know what happens to them because it's based on reality. And I don't care how they got there. I really don't don't care. There I, you go. I liked it. I, 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 did, I did care. And I found really funny the fact that there was two army hammers as playing twins. But why didn't they just get twins? Why did they have to um, have another green screened in army hammer? But I, don't I, know. I thought lots of the dialogue was really good and compelling and clever and the performances were good enough to hold up what is pretty much a kind of basic story. 
I very much doubt that any of those people talk the way that they, this. I think this script is far clever, cleverer than the actual real people. I, know. I very much doubt that these socially awkward twats. That's a swear word. You can't use that. <laughs> uh, would actually be able to talk like this. So it also, for me, didn't have any credibility at all. I really despise it, and I cannot stand it. But you can't expect a biopic to be word for word, shot for shot, exactly what happened. No. Especially when I it's... I said it needs to be credible, that's all. And it isn't. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> but I still don't care. I still enjoy it. You enjoyed it, you enjoyed it, and yeah. that's fine. I'm glad you did. Accredibility we is need to watch Zodiac. There you know, that's that's what you need to watch. Yeah. Okay. It's it's definitely not as good as you Fight Club or Seven. No, it's not. You're right. Not even remotely anywhere near that. Mm. Uh, but if you want something that is a little bit more clever and a little bit more you've got brilliant dialogue and it is twisted turny and everything Zodiac. like that, then Zodiac's the one for you. Yeah. Which is also based on reality. Curious case of Benjamin Button is also based on reality. I really don't want to watch that one either. <laughs> uh, we also watched. Groundhog Day. We did. And we also watched... Groundhog Day. We could do this a lot, but we're not going to. Go on. Oh, everyone's done that joke. Mm-hmm. Dab. Did you know that um, Howard Ramis and Bill Murray fell out during the making of this film and didn't speak for another 20 years until Bill Murray turned up on Howard Ramis's deathbed to say, sorry, mate? No. Why did they fall out? Because uh, Bill Murray was having a bit of a crap time and he took it all out on his mate. And he was horrible, and he was obtrusive, and you know, you know, the character is really horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much that was Bill Murray at during the, the film. Yeah, I thought Bill Murray was a nice guy. They had that documentary uh, yeah. about made out of him. Oh yeah, he's he, he is. Parties. He is. Yeah, yeah, he is now. Yeah, he is now. But big as a younger book, man, big bad book of he Bill was Murray. Having, um, you know, I mean, everybody goes through periods in their life, and this was not a particularly good one. Mm. And he was really horrible to his mate. So and how Remus is probably. Uh, reputedly one of the, what he was one of the nicest guys you'd want to meet and kind of took it and took it until he's like yeah, uh, and they really just fell out that was it mm. anyway we watched this a weatherman finds himself inexplicably living the same day over and over and over again not as the poster may suggest a man being stuck inside of a clock yeah a bit strange isn't it yeah hmm. so Bill Murray He's an, down, Chris he's an idiot. He is a loser. He is a man who thinks he, he is on top of the world. And he goes to a small little town for a Groundhog Day. I don't know why I'm explaining the plot. Most people know the yeah, plot. Yeah, they know it. And I was shocked to find I was the only person in our household who hadn't seen this. I thought Sun 2 wouldn't have seen it as well. But he had. Mm. And it... And it... Uh, it it uh, traverses rom com and silly comedy and tragic comedy and all sorts of things. Actually, it weaves not, it all not, together. It's not funny. It's not. It's not really. No. You laughed. What do you a mean? couple of times. You laughed. I laughed. You were hysterically laughed laughing yeah, before the... the joke was even told. <laughs> a couple of times I did laugh. Yeah, it's not hysterically funny. No, it's not an out and out comedy like in that respect. But it is a well made, well thought out, uh, well written. Uh, little film. Yeah, it's very original. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed it. Of yeah, it's course. been done to death now by other people. Mm. They nicked the Groundhog Day. Yeah, Happy Death Day. That's right. Happy Death Day to you. Yeah, Relive Die Repeat. Yeah. Yeah, there's loads. So even Source Code. I really like that film. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Um. 
Does he become a better person? Yeah, he does. Or after this, will he start being a, a loser again? No, I, I, um, I think he's learned his lesson, hasn't I he? I did think the ending was forced. Like, you see the character development of and the building of the relationship between Bill Murray and Andy McDowell. Andy McDowell but all of it gets redone day after day, and I don't think that what happens in that last day would be enough for this woman who clearly wasn't interested in him the day before to fall in love with him because basically all that happens is they have a party and then a bunch of people come over and say how are you yeah, the, the, and then he gets forced into prostitution I think you're right but I think it's the, the, the culmination of everything that he's learned and she can clearly see that inexplicably she doesn't know how that this is actually a completely different person to who I thought it was because she doesn't actually know him Hmm. that's the point isn't it at the start of the film it's the first time they've really met hmm. so he starts off yes like the first part of the day as being a div but she doesn't actually know him mm -hmm. so that's why you're able to get away with it but it also feels a wee bit manipulative because is. if she knew what he was doing like he did all of this yeah. stuff for her yeah. like if it didn't happen over the course of this one day over and over again and he spent like yeah, two or end, three months learning end, everything about her but and... in the end he doesn't do any of that does he in the last day he doesn't do anything he actually goes out of his way to actually say oh no i'm not going to have a coffee with you i'm not going to try and pull you i'm not going to do all these things to try and get in bed with you i'm going to go off save a kid from falling out of a tree try and uh save an old, old uh, homeless man from dying give these old ladies uh, a tire change and he does lots of selfish things selfless. and then ends up oh yeah <laughs> selfless things <laughs> selfless things and and then goes back and just kind of meets up with her but the implication but, but is... even then she came and found him he was at the party playing the piano mm -hmm. but the implication is that he's done all of that stuff before because when the boy falls yes, down but he then says, he realizes that's not the way to go and that's not what it's for the, the 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 stuff with her anyway i'm not arguing with you it's a perfectly good film oh, i'm not disagreeing uh, well worth a watch and that was the last thing we watched which was last night that was what we've been reading and watching all this week do we have time for the special thing we said we were going to well do you said time? you were going to do it so you have to make it quick okay jewel of the fates jewel of the fates different star wars jewel of the fates different star wars jewel of the fates different star wars the star wars episode 9 original Colin Trevorrow script was uh, the treatment was uh, leaked. Different Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, different Star Wars. Yeah, I love, I love, the, I love the jingles. Yeah, it's because um, the original uh, Colin Trevorrow episode nine, Jewel of the Fates script treatment was leaked. So we it's a know. it's a terrible title. No, I prefer it it to Rise of Skywalker. Doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, at least that has sense. Jewel of the Fates. But Rise what of Skywalker does that mean? doesn't have any sense what in regards to the film. What does that mean? Well, let's find Jewel out. Jewel of the Fates. So, open and crawl. The Iron Grip of the First Order has spread to the farthest reaches of the galaxy. Only a few scattered planets remain occupied. Traitor attacks are punishable by death. Determined to suffocate a growing unrest, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren has silenced all communication between neighbouring systems. Led by General Leia Organa, the Resistance has planned a secret mission to prevent their annihilation and forge a path to freedom. Uh, opens with BB-8 and Rose Tico, allegedly a main character. That's good. Because Rose was... 
yeah, underused. Yeah, forced out of the Rise of Skywalker scripts, which is kind of disrespectful for them to just throw away a character. Finn and Poe are there. No R2-D2 or C-3PO, but Ray arrives. Plants and explosives into the power shaft that delivers raw ore into the ring. But the plan goes wrong. No. First Order is able to contain blast. Admiral Vaughn says resistance tactics are pitiful. Admiral Vaughn? Maybe that's a new character. Maybe it was who Richard's. Vince Vaughn. Oh. Ray's disguised as a Tuscan Raider. They, they all steal a Star Destroyer. That's, ah, that's, that's your, it's yeah. It's a rip-off of Flight of the Harbinger. There you go. And they escape. Knife 9, a ship containing the Knights of Wren, arrives at Kuat. Ben kills Admiral Vaughn for his failure. Go to Coruscant. Coruscant. That Coruscant, that's the one from the prequels, isn't it? Mm. Uh, no longer a vibrant city occupied by the First Order now. Hux is now Chancellor Hux and is addressing Bisk Kova, the traitor who helped with the Resistance steal the Star Destroyer. Bisk. The First Order has allies. They're aware of Rey being the last Jedi and the Council wants to know where is Kylo Ren? He's missing. But they're on Mustafar. Kylo Ren is alone. Except for a Darth Maul-esque droid. But he has stubble indicating the search has been for a long time. Ren is haunted by Luke's Force ghost. Mm. And so, then Luke is trying... Stop moving it while I'm trying to read it. Sorry. Luke is trying to convince him to go back to Leia. Kylo, I says, I'm going to be more powerful than any Jedi than you. That's more of a Palpatine voice I than a Kylo Ren voice. Sorry, yeah. uh, Vader is to take Luke to the Remnicor system to see Tor Valen, master of Sith, Palpatine's teacher. And after scanning Kylo, the holocron explodes and releases red lightning, which burns Kylo, who screams. Cut to uh, resistance base. Leia's introduced. She feels what's happening to Ben. Chewbacca and Lieutenant Connix tell Leia that the Quat team is back. Ray confides in Finn that she doesn't feel like she has what it takes to be a Jedi and can't live up to everyone's expectations. You have to shut him out. He can't change. It's too late. It's never late to change. You taught me that, Finn. Resistance realise that the Star Destroyer still has most of its weapons. Ray, researching the Jedi text from Arc 2, discovers that under Coruscant there's a Jedi temple with communication systems called a Force Beacon. They plan on using it to get allies. Kylo makes it back to Coruscant. Face oh, is damaged. Mandalorian armor is smelted Ooh. and is being applied to his face. He confronts Hux and belittles him. Ray to Luke as they train. Balance. The dark suffocates the light. Light extinguishes the dark over and over again. How is that? Balancing the force. I know that anger. My father had it too. So says my master and his master before him. A thousand masters so eager to tell us how to live. She admits she is no one. And Luke tried to convince her. Back to Kylo, he and Hux continue to snipe at each other. Kylo says he's leaving again, but not before telling Hux the power he discovered will make destroying planets insignificant. Find the resistance, wipe them out, leave the girl to me. Team A with Rose, Finn, R2 and C3PO going to Corsican to light the beacon. And Team B, Ray, Poe, Chewbacca are going to a planet to find someone to help Ray figure out what she needs to do. Kylo is going to a Sith planet slash Remnicor. What was that? Was that the beacon? Uh, before he leaves Coruscant, he takes Vader's mask. He understands Vader now. You allowed love to cloud your judgment. And he throws Vader's mask off of a balcony. Kylo reaches... Blah, 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 blah. Anything interesting in there? Go on, scroll down. 
Yeah, I didn't read this. I thought that how long this is this? Would be a fun. Oh, we're almost finished. I thought this would be infinitely more interesting than it ended up being. First Order tracks down the stolen Star Destroyer to the Rebel base. The Resistance escapes. Um, Team A successfully infiltrates the Jedi Temple and turn on the beacon. They cut to different places around the galaxy receiving the signal, Bosque including cameo. a Bosque cameo. It is then cut off by the First Order. Team A then flee into the underbelly of Coson. Team B are then being pursued by the Knife Nine, that, that's the Ben's Knights of Red ship, and eventually reach the planet Bonadon. Kylo reaches the Remnicor and confronts that old guy who was 7,000 years master. old. Yeah. yeah. Kylo begins to train, and on Bonadon, Poe takes Ray to a seer who can pull information out of memories. The seer pulls a star chart out of Ray's minds from a vision with Kylo. Knights of Ren show up, they all fight, and she defeats them. And both Ray and Kylo eventually get to Mortis. Leia asks Lando if he will organise the smugglers and fight the First Order. Finn, R2-D2 and 3PO start a citizens' uprising on Corsican around the First Order Citadel Palace. Then Leia brings her forces to Corsican to battle the FO. Massive space battle with a ground battle style you know that works. Chewie flies an X-Wing. Okay, that would have been cool. Ray and Kylo battle on Mortis using force energy at some point. It's revealed that Kylo killed Ray's parents at the behest of Snoke. Towards the end, Luke and Obi-Wan and Yoda appear as force ghosts to save Ben, but are unsuccessful. Ben is extinguished. Resistance won. First Order loses. One final detail. Han Solo does appear in the script and does confront Kylo at some point. Weird. That's not entirely interesting i thought that this would be completely different with completely different stuff going on but you've still got kylo dying you've still got um a few other things i reading this wasn't interesting because it introduced all the new stuff like valum and mortis and etc etc which weren't visually shown to us so it's kind of hard to read Mm. Um, it's uh, it's a bit it's just as messy as the final thing anyway so I could see why they didn't do it but they didn't really replace it with anything better uh, but there you go but maybe if they stuck with this version it would have been developed more mm. I do like the title Duel of Fates it doesn't mean anything which is fine uh, but I like it more than Rise of Skywalker but the main problem with the three new Star Wars films was that they don't work together all three of them they're very individual films. You can't watch 7 and 8 back-to-back -back or 8 and 9 back-to-back -back or even 7 and 9, which is mostly because they didn't plan ahead. They were doing three directors, three different visions. Hence why the MCU stuff worked, because it was all Kevin planned Feige. out. In anyway. terms of future Star Wars, maybe Ryan Johnson will get his own trilogy. Maybe Taika Waititi will get his own film, which yes, was revealed this so. week. I believe so. Obi-Wan isn't getting cancelled. Uh, no, that was just not. a rumour. That was a rumour, yeah. And um, Mandalorian's going ahead. Uh, so I, I think I think probably TV is probably the way to go for now for Star Wars. Yeah, if they leave um, Ray and Finn and Poe behind for a bit, and uh, maybe they can return with those characters with something different, something that isn't very similar. Like I like Seven and Eight. I think they're both very good films. It's just nine that I'm not a fan of. But I think that they kind of shot themselves in the foot by doing one film every two years and not planning in advance. So wait longer, plan further ahead, and do something new. Make a Doctor Aphra series. I want to see that. 
What about you? What do you want to see? You want to see I a want to see series. whole new characters with whole new stories just set in the universe of Star Wars. Damn right. Okay. So that concludes the Papa, Papa Bish Show. Bye bye now. See you next two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>